they always tell you never forget where you come from, right? For a certain reason. Because the moment you do is the moment you lose everything. Because what keeps you sane is your origin, right? And that's why everyone's obsessed with every single successful person's story, because that's what makes them original, not the success. The success is just a manifestation or like a byproduct, but of their story. And we're obsessed with learning from other people. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I am joined by a man who is... In the Forbes 30 under 30, he's a recognized social entrepreneur, an ex-pro athlete, number one Apple charting podcaster, and the the Middle East mental health ambassador. He founded EmpowerMag.com, which I can't wait to get into, the first mental health magazine in the Middle East. I am joined by Ali Salama. How are you doing, sir? Thank you so much, Danny, for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I just finished moving, which is a a horrible experience. (laughs) There's nothing fun about moving. You think you hire movers to get them to do everything, and it's still so much more you have to do. But I'm hanging in there. So you're in Dubai right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm based out of here, I think, for the next few weeks. So yeah. So you're based out of there for the next few weeks. How long have you been in Dubai? So I've been I've been living in Toronto since 2014, but I moved here last year. But now we're about to start a really uh really cool chapter in at Empower. We're raising for our pre-seed, and basically it's just gonna be a little bit, you know, between Cairo and Dubai, but we're basically launching our technology in Cairo. So definitely gonna be looking for that runway 18 months to be based in Cairo. But most of the work I do is between Dubai and, and Toronto, but I definitely think that, I mean, young people in Egypt don't have the tools that mm. I feel uh, is really, really necessary from a mental health perspective, right? It's still developing country. Egypt is a little bit like Mexico, right? Where, you know, the stigma is very high. Yes, Dubai, the GCC, the Gulf countries like Saudi and, and Qatar, you know, where the World Cup's going to be at, they're like way more advanced, but you come to some developing countries and you see like very much so lack behind, even though they're in the same region. So that's kind of why I'm uh, I'm about to be based there. Do you think it's because it's just like they're very male dominated places? You know what? I used to think so, but I don't think so right now because I think it's, it's just not understood. You know, Mm. we fear what we don't understand, you know, mental health in the States you have hundreds of millions of dollars in media and advertising being spent on awareness because they know, like the West really knows the price and the, the burden that mental health has on economies. Just even if people really don't really give two dams about mental health, they would still put money because it's costing them dollars. But I don't think people here do get it. 
right? And that's kind of what I would say more so than it's being male dominated. Now for, for a large percentage, I would say that, yeah, they just don't accept the fact that they can be mentally challenged. But I would just say for the most part of it, they don't even know if they are because they just never had the education that they could be. And that manifests in psychosomatic symptoms where it's like Mm. headaches, very low energy. They just don't understand any better, right? For sure. Why we need that awareness. And that's kind of why I'm I'm very passionate about. It says Forbes 30 under 30. How old are you now? I just turned 26. Well, well, happy birthday. I look at your, you know, your info and your bio and... I put myself where I'm at at 20 when I where I was at at 26 and you know it's something that you know I feel people younger and younger are getting into these amazing pockets and these amazing places and I have to say just looking at what you've been able to accomplish already by 26 is is inspiring even to me and I'm eight years older than you. But like, you know, before we get into, you know, a couple of the questions, I just want I just hope that you take the time to uh, recognize and be proud of yourself and be proud of your accomplishments, because we can lose that a lot in yeah. life. You know, we get into this, you know, what's the next move? What's the next move? But I really do hope that you take the time to realize the actual impact that you're having on people. Yeah, man, 100%. I mean, I did have a past, like, really past tough five months. And definitely, really just recently, I've been able to kind of, you know, put everything aside and really let that sink in. I think many people young are, you know, too much in the fast lane. You know, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to look beyond what you're doing because, you know, always someone's going to have more, always someone's going to, I just don't think we look at the people that don't have anything. And I think that, you know, sometimes uh, your biggest blessing is your biggest curse because you're just so, uh, very much so whatever that is. And sometimes you just got to understand that gratitude and, and just grace and, and just being just okay, being whatever it is. I think greatness has a cost too. I think being intelligent has a very, very, very big cost to you. you feel so lonely all the time. For sure. I think there's so many things that people don't see on the outside, but you're absolutely right. I definitely do resonate. I, I think if someone would have told me that like three years ago or two years ago, and I just got a, the Forbes, I would be like, nah, you know, got to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it comes and goes. You know, the only reason I, I say that is because obviously I'm a little bit older than you. So it's like, you know, I wish that, at 26, I definitely like took some time. So I'm happy to know that you're making a conscious effort to do that because it's important for your mental health. Because when it comes to us, it's like, you know, we we have a lot of stuff that we do. We want to help people with mental health. But a lot of times, like people got to understand, like we have mental health too. We have things that we have to deal with as well. So when we're like pillars for certain communities, people look to us for help. So we have to make sure that we're in the right state of mind to uh, be able to to lead people and help people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just wanted to ask, you're 26. Where were you born? I was born in Giza, like where the pyramids are at. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. How long did you live there for? I lived there till grade six, maybe. But there was two years in between that I lived in Scotland, in Glasgow. My dad wow. just had You've been all over the place. Yeah, it's been a ride. Yeah, yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about your mom and then tell me a little bit about your dad. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. Very rarely do I get asked that, but I think my parents are educators. So they have Mm. so much, I think it's in their blood to kind of be, you know, servant leaders, I guess, or educate other people. My mom's a 
a British qualified elementary or primary, as they say in the UK, mm-hmm. school teacher. And my dad is is a dean of faculty of engineering of one of the, the well, the largest private university in Bahrain. So he's he's always been into. I mean, he was a an entrepreneur himself, but then he went into the academia route, and then uh, he's just an, a civil engineer by by profession. But now, you know, he yeah, he went on to being very much so passionate about sustainability and sustainable project management. But yeah, my mom's a teacher, and my dad's a, a faculty uh, dean. Awesome. You know, that's another blessing too, right? To be able to have, you know, a a two-parent household. And, you know, when you have parents that, you know, are already striving for greatness on their own while having a child, when it's just you, it's like, you know, maybe I should get after it and try to figure something out to do with my life, right? Yeah. But you know what? I think there's always like this caveat that people don't realize sometimes, like sometimes they're so entrenched in the education system and the job like mindset. I'm like, nah, man. Like yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's hard to get out, but I guess they've already accepted that I'm different and uh, that I will always find an opportunity. I'm the type of guy that like really when when I put my mind to something I go all out. I feel like there's no ifs and buts. I will do whatever it takes to to make something happen. And that's, I think, why like I don't ever see myself a salesperson or sometimes people say, oh, you have to be really good at sales to get a job or get this interview or make this pitch. I'm like, if you are passionate about something, people will smell that off the cusp of your you know, chest. For sure. Really what I believe in. And it's always good too with parents. They're like, I don't understand this. And then it's like, you start getting some checks and then they're like, okay, I get it now. All right, you, yeah. you go for it. You keep, you keep doing it. I always believed in you. You know that, you know that. I always believed in you. That's exactly what, you know, what it is. What it is. You know, they're like, none of this makes sense. Like, why are you doing this social media stuff? Like, <laughs> None of that makes sense. You're like, hey, what's up? This is my new car. They're like, oh, cool. What do you do for work again? It's fantastic. <laughs> you know, do you have any siblings? I do. I do have a brother. He has a master's degree in project management, I guess. You guys are just all crushing it. Everyone's crushing it. No, but they're 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 different. And my brother is like, he works at you know the Abu Dhabi bank. Uh, he takes care of all their retail and, and operations, uh, operational stores and all that stuff. But like, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. You know, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. I respect what he does. I respect what my parents do, but I need something that, you know, that doesn't exist for me to build. You know, I need something that's new. I need something that's, wow. I can't do something that is just a cycle. I can't see what tomorrow will look like or else it just doesn't make sense to me. If I know what tomorrow is going to look like, then. It was boring. It's almost uh, you're more comfortable in discomfort. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. That's where you flourish. I feel uh, I'm kind of the same way too when it comes to certain things like that. It's like I'd rather really not know what tomorrow brings and just get after it when I get there. Yeah, and I think that you know that's what makes me like always on my A game because the moment I can feel like a little bit comfortable or I can relax, I don't really push my brain to its max capacity because i think that people who know that they're capable or that they've proven that to themselves that they're capable i mean action breeds confidence mm-hmm. and then confidence if you don't really work on it you lose it and that comfort makes you less confident because that confidence comes from consistent action from you being always at that cusp of of your comfort zone so that's why you know some people are a lot more confident than others in my point of view 
it's not because, you know, they were born with a chip on their shoulder. Most likely than not, I mean, if they are, you know, people that have a track record, then they definitely, it does come from within and you can't really fake it. You can't, you can't fake it. You can only get so far, you know, until like you get in a room with those sharks and, and you know, you're not supposed to be there. You will get exposed, especially in that situation. So I want to start around like age 14. You know what I mean? Like, so age 14, all right, you're studying at Dubai English speaking college. Yeah. Right. So you, you're in college at 14. Well, like they call it college. Just like pre-university, it's yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think the <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh... this is amazing. This is amazing. These these achievements are outrageous. I was born in America. I was born yeah. in New York. I yeah. just learned how to speak English like two days ago. <laughs> so the fact that so the fact that you were fourteen and you went to college. So how many languages do you speak? I speak three. I speak English, Arabic, and Spanish. I'm telling you, when I have people on this show. I'm blown away by how accomplished some of these young, young men and women are. You know, like I do this show to like influence other people and help them. But I'm the one that gets influenced every time I pick up this microphone and I turn this Zoom on. 14. All right. So that, and now in between that, you're, you're, you're also a professional swimmer. Well, former yeah. professional swimmer, but I'm sure you could still get in the pool and do your thing if you had to. Yeah. I mean, that's something that you know i did for what like more than 12 i guess 13 years ever since i was like four years old i stopped swimming when i was 16 so yeah but yeah i mean so what was your stroke time. what was your stroke i gotta know butterfly uh, uh, how many meters i was a 50 and 100 fly sprinter you were so. sprinting you were sprinting yeah. good for you yeah no i i, I used to swim as well the, nowhere near professionalism it's intense, I'll tell you. I think that swimming made that sort of hardcore discipline sort of warrior in me come out. It's nine times a week. You wake up like 4.35 a.m. some days to train in those a.m. trainings. And you oh, walk yeah. in you walk in the, the class and you smell like chlorine. Like yeah. it's not sexy <laughs> at all. Like, also, jumping in the pool at like 4 a.m. is not the most exciting thing in the world either. Yeah, especially when you have a stopwatch, you know, backing your PB, your personal best. Yeah. If you don't, you know, you're not making the race. And there's just a lot of like competitiveness in the sport. I love it. You can't really fake results in it and you can't depend on a coworker or team player. I mean, for sure. Really, really teaches you how to really depend on yourself and be very self-aware but i mean swimming is just one of, of many things you know i think that you can do to but i think i think i think it takes a lot for for young people now to develop their their sense of self-awareness I, I think you know there's a big caveat here where social media and this hyper individualistic world we live in has i mean on one side people are really rushing but on the other side those who are successful are actually successful not because of by luck or chance well not not all of them most of them really 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 work super hard on themselves and there is a higher element of self-awareness so that's you know something that i also wanted to tie with with the singing sorry the swimming metaphor that you were just talking about because i think that from a young age that is like the best or like just being self-aware or having self-awareness at a young age, it really, really, really cuts you so much fat in life. I mean, yeah. Just to fat in life, you know, and then also fat on your body as well. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> that always works too. But I always say it's like, 
I've always admired individual sport because you're competing with yourself and they are a great metaphor for life, right? I think all sports are a great metaphor for life. They teach you about, you know, team building and and how to lead people and, and work with other people. But also it's one of those things where you learn how to compete with yourself. That's where you find out if you got that dog in you or not. You know what yeah. I mean? It's one of those situations that transfer over and translate to so many other things in life. So when you were a kid, you're, you're in college, <laughs> you're swimming. Did you ever feel in a sense when you were younger that maybe you were dealing with some mental health stuff? And if you were, what was it like to bring up in your household? What was it like to bring up in your community? Look, I don't know. I don't. That's the thing. I don't know. I didn't know how to bring. I didn't. I didn't know I had it until later on in my life where I could say, "Oh wow, that was that." So, for example, I had a very big issue with the way I looked. Like in general, I just wasn't mm-hmm. fulfilled. I wasn't like every time I just see myself, I really didn't feel good about it. And that's for a lot of people something that causes them to really big issues in their life. I mean, sure. whether it's esteem or whatever. So, I mean, it reached a point where I needed to be in my best shape. So every time I would get dropped off by the bus home, I would run to the gym even when I was swimming. Mm. And I would put in an extra workout to the point where first year I went to Canada, I got into the Abercrombie and Fitch because I, I, was a, I got in as an in-store model just because like I worked so hard at it. And I believe that if you work on something like, I'm not a hopeless, like romantic, or I'm not a hopeless, like dreamer. dreamer. Yeah. I know, I know, I know when you dream or I know when you manifest a part, I know all these things are possible because I'm sure that, you know, this creator that created me or us or whatever, this in, infinite intelligence within us, it's able to, if I'm able to think about it, I'm able to do it. So, but that's when I realized that that wasn't a body issue. It was more of a, because that started to be in, every, in, in, in many things in my life because I always was just working on something that I just, I didn't work on it from a place of love. I worked on it from a place of lack. And that's when I knew that it, was, it wasn't healthy. But then it started to develop more when I was in university and more so started to feel like I just didn't fit in. Like I was, I always knew I was different, but I'd never understood that it could make me feel alienated. Mm. That's when, you know, all of the thoughts that I was kind of going through as a young kid just came up and it just toppled me over and I just had to pick myself up. Listen, I, I, re- I really think that a lot of people can learn from what you just said is that a lot of stuff that comes from insecurity, it almost becomes like an unhealthy obsession. Yeah. But then when it comes from the other side, it becomes a healthy obsession because you're already in love with yourself in terms of I accept who I am, but these are things I want to get better at. And also when you're thinking from a place of insecurity, you're setting yourself up with kind of unrealistic expectations in terms of how fast you want to get there. What do you want to do to get there? How can I cut corners to get there? It's almost like, in a sense, like gambling. It's like you lose a, a, a bet. And then you're just chasing it, trying to make your money back. And it's just like, you're only doing this to get back to square one. And it becomes in that certain essence. Another thing too, is, you know, we were talking about how you, you've bounced around. What was the move like? Because you, you moved, you moved from, did you move to Canada? Yeah, I moved from Egypt to Dubai, then 
to to well removed from Egypt to Scotland, then back to Egypt, then to Dubai, Scotland. then the and then back to Dubai right now. That's a lot though. That's a lot to deal with. And then even when you're a kid, right? Moving yeah. when you're an adult is difficult. Like I just moved and I'm 33 years old and it took like three years off my life. And then you really think about it though, but moving as a kid, I used to move a lot when I was a kid. I moved a bunch. I, I went to a uh, like a bunch of schools and bounced around and did the whole thing. It's tough on a kid. Did you feel that when you were a kid? Oh, I'm still feeling that. I don't really know my school friends. Like I can barely count one. And I just guess it's part, no one gets everything in life, right? Like someone mm-hmm. else might say, Hey, I wish I was in your position and I wish I had, you know, the, whatever you have. So. So when it comes down to it, like I obviously see that, you know, your your father was an entrepreneur himself, but when you were around eight years old, his business went bankrupt. What was that like for you to see? Because, you know, for us with fathers, you know, we kind of look at our fathers of these pillars of of superhero ness. They're impenetrable. They're they're these they're, they're the toughest guy in the know. They're they're our heroes. That's what they are. So when you see your father at eight and his company go bankrupt. How did he respond to that? And how did you respond to that? Yeah, look, I didn't understand anything back then. For All sure. He was just traveling to Scotland and he was just pursuing another career shift. Like all I knew is that he was doing his MBA while being an entrepreneur. And then for certain political, geo, you know, political instabilities in the country, whatever happened, happened. And he was suddenly just doing it full time there when we were sitting with or we were staying with our grandparents, like both of my parents come from good background. So we never really felt it. But I felt it like very much so when when I just didn't see him doing what he was doing. And uh, and I was super restricted to a lot of kids when they travel, they travel with families to like vacations. Go for us. It was just traveling to go see that and come back. So right. Very yeah. different. That, that's how I really felt. So, like, and even like, too, because that's how it was, even in my family. We lived in New Jersey. My father lived in New York, and my parents were still together. They were just trying to make ends meet. So it was kind of just going back and forth, like, just to see our dad. For you, though, see, the thing is, it's like, listen, like, people think if you come from like a certain socioeconomic, like, bracket, that life is relatively easy. Now, is there levels to privilege? For sure. There, there are things that obviously we we can't ignore, but do you ever feel that since, you know, you were born into kind of like a privileged family that you owe it to give back to people? Or is this something that you felt like? hundred percent. hundred percent. I feel like my mom taught me how to give a lot and something I, you know, just got to know is that the most the richest people are the most emotionally starving people in, in the world. For and sure. This is something I've got to see from my school, from just being around, you know, the, the ultra, 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 which happened to be my circle. I got to define wealth differently. So privilege is, yeah, privilege can be having food on the table and everything. But I also think that privilege is, is, a, is a mindset as well, because some of the quote unquote privilege have no privilege. Actually, they are prisoned within their privilege. So it's it's a very, very unique, distinctive way to look at it. Even right now, like right now, 
people might look at things in in different ways, but I I think for anyone listening, like what's driving you and what's really challenging you and how might this be playing for your best interest? Because I'm in a place where I'm at the cusp of, you know, I just quit an opportunity. It was really well paying like three days ago. I was like, if I don't do this right now, I ain't doing anything. Do I believe Mm. in myself? Yes. Do I have these abilities? Yes. And someone else might be thinking, hey, you you have all those happening. But I was just telling you earlier on the show, like I had a very weird past like six months. One of my family, very close family members had a very bad health condition. I'm starting to like, you know, it's starting to get to me. When things get to you, you doubt yourself. And when you doubt, when you're not in an emotionally stable condition, you're like, and that was like, you know, sometimes you have to erupt. And I think that's when, you know, we were talking about swimming. It's when you're in one-on-one sports. How do you like, unleash that beast and unleashing the beast isn't always in a pool it's not with sometimes it's just within a very tough decision sending that one you know email or sending or having that one tough call and ending things and that makes you so damn powerful and to me like i'm all in or i'm all out and if i don't abide by that standard within myself i will never feel what it's like to go all in mm. and that's just something i refuse to to do do you think that's something that you were necessarily born with? Or do you think it was something that you kind of manifested within yourself? Because I feel like a lot of people are like, you know, it's just not my personality to be like this type of person, or it's not my, it's not in my DNA to, to be this type of person for you. Was it more of something that you had to learn? Was it nature or nurture for you? I think it's a little bit of both. I think like human beings, will always act out of urgency. It depends on your perception on what is urgent. For example, last opportunity that I was in, I was just in it because I was not able to take a decision in my own venture because I was clouded and I never really understood what it was like working for someone else. Little did I know when I was working for that ex-person, I never, I almost saw things in a different perspective. Hey, you were bad. Well, you didn't taste that bad. And Mm. out of that bad stemmed that urgency. And so it's just maybe that person that's saying it's not my my personality has never had an urgent matter where he had to do that. And I think for someone else, they might not see it urgent because that might not be a big of a deal to them because work might just be a nine to and that they live. But for me, like I have different standards in my life. And I think it all depends on the standards that you have in your life that allow you to live a certain quality life. And I have a very certain, I have a specific quality of life that I think should be lived because life is beautiful despite it being super dark and chaotic and bloomy and dusty. But at its root core source, I think we're all here like flowers and, and petals fall off, but we blossom, we keep reinventing that. And that's the way I strictly see life. Because if I don't see it that way, I live in my own depressed own self. That For sure. You know, the end is near and or like I don't want to be alive. And I've been in both situations. It's just a matter of like I'm holding on to this thought and this 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 way I see life because that's what gives me the biggest, most deepest form of meaning. That's what and gets that, you it gets you out of bed in the morning. 100 percent sure. And then you know, you were talking about the dark places, and you know, you said that the darkest point in your life were probably in Canada right? Going to school, going to school in Canada. Everybody hears Canada and hears Toronto and it's like, oh, it's happy. And everyone's like, hey, how you doing, bud, pal, everybody. Why were you so depressed in Canada? Let's start there. Why was I 
really not happy. Why was I clinically diagnosed in Canada? Man, I wasn't used to the weather. And uh, wow, elaborate on that. Elaborate on that. So I think my grand, well, my grandma was had bipolar disorder. So I'm Mm -hmm. not. And usually, like that's genetically like, and I'm very close. Like my genes are more towards my mom's side. So I had never been tested to the point where I had never had that much sun and like Canadian winters are very intense, like really intense. So to me, it was very, very difficult on me, let alone. Yeah, I just had so much to to do. Like people say high school from high school to university is the biggest jump in your life, let alone high school to a new country, a new continent, another part of the world to university, to a whole new zone, like time zone it was just very, I don't know. I, I and, and the thing is, I refused to give into, because I was an athlete still, I didn't party. I didn't, right. do all that. I didn't smoke weed when I was in university. I mean, I did all that after, but right, right, right. Partying, like getting to know friends. I refused to give up who I was to fit in. And that like, really bit me in my backside so yeah i think that was with the whole moving situation to anyone who's listening who kind of moved to a new job i mean anyone really understand that it's not for sure easy and i didn't know what i wanted to also kind of do as well i was in a very yeah clouded clouded position that back then i I remember it just wasn't and my parents had a a little bit of a disagreement for two years back then so it was just all Everything that made me feel safe didn't make me feel safe. And I realized that I was trapped. And the I security that, blanket. Yeah, the security blanket was taken off of you for a little bit. And that, and then that security blanket becomes a depression blanket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just like a monster that I just, it was a black cloud that followed me everywhere. Couldn't get it off of you. Yeah. So your grandfather was diagnosed with cancer. Your mom's father? Yeah, my mom's father. So your grandmother on your mom's side was diagnosed bipolar. Yeah. And then your father, your grandfather, sorry, was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And are you living with both of your parents when you're, when you're there or they split and you're kind of doing this whole thing back and forth, trying to help your mom who's grieving. Your grandmother has her own stuff that she's dealing with. And now you kind of have to be the man of the house for lack of better words. Yeah, I think now I'm taking care of four dogs. Uh, <laughs> I got two. I got two on the couch with me right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're. I have four brown Labradors. I saw. I saw one of them. I saw one of your dogs. Yeah, I have two silver Labradors. They're, yeah. Yeah, they're both silver. Yeah. This is Tony. Oh, hey Tony. Hey Tony. Oh. They're all, they're both taking naps, and then Silvio's over here. So I got I got two Italian Labradors. There he is. Yeah, no, I think dogs are amazing. They're they're, they're the best. They're the best. I tell people all the time. It's I was blessed enough as a kid to to have a dog. I think every dog deserves a a kid, and every kid deserves a dog. Yeah, dogs are the are the best. Are the best. They're There's been so many times, dude, in my life where I just had these horrible, horrible things happen and i come home and one of these dudes is just like what's up man i am so happy to see you let's just hang out and these dogs have saved my life on on multiple occasions and i'm not even saying that just to sound dramatic there's a lot of when you look 
I love that we're talking about dogs right now. But if you look at your dog and the way that they look back at you, it's not just because you feed them. A lot of people have this thing like this is the all we're, we're this all powerful being. The animal loves you unconditionally. An animal's love, especially a dog's love. I cry right now talking about a dog. A dog's love is unconditional. You know, they'll, they'll never steal from you. They'll never, t- they'll never turn their back on you. They'll never try to get with whoever you're getting with at the time. They're not gonna, <laughs> they're not gonna talk shit to their other, their other dog friends. The loyalty of a dog is unmatched. That's why I think they're the best animal. You know, you have people that love cats. Cats are cool too, but cats have too much of their own personality in terms of they're individuals. Cats yeah. are individuals. Dogs are dependents in terms of that. But I don't know. Do you feel that sense of when you when you're with your dogs? Of course, of course, they all have a certain uh, sentiment that you know they just they're antidepressants. You know. Oh my God! Yeah, they're warm. They make it easier. A hundred and hundred percent. But to get back to what we were talking about, sorry, I had to go out on the dog. Uh, but I just love my dog so damn much. So your your grandfather gets diagnosed with cancer. Tell me about your mom's reaction. Yeah, no, it was, uh, my mom's an only child, so you have to understand. Oh, wow. Definitely easy on her. And all that being said, I learned how to be super resilient from my mother, 100%, because she could have, she could have collapsed super easy. I mean, she really, really, really fought for my well-being and my brother's. And uh, especially because her mom also passed like two years after my grandfather. So that was Mm -hmm. also a very very intense two years for the for her and thus for us but i always understood that like my mom taught me one thing it's how to embrace new beginnings and how to reinvent yourself i think reinvention is such an important word because life is is a cycle i think it's it's so many cycles in one huge cycle that you know the only certain thing that is certain is you but a different version and ought to be a better version. And that's what I mean by reinventing. For sure. I think uh, life is full of, you know, uh, you hear a lot of people talk about like this moment, it's like what changed my life. And I became like the, a different person. And I all respect to that. But I, I just think that life is full of its multiple metamorphosis. If you're not constantly recreating yourself, it doesn't have to be in huge ways. Like you said, it's like taking the power back, even to just send an email. That could be a beast mode move. If you're switching your mentality and you're making a conscious effort to do it, it might not seem like a lot, but that's a very hard thing to do. And it's a big deal because you're changing the way that you actually take in information. You know, that, that that's very hard for people to do. Human beings are, are stubborn by nature, I feel, a lot of the time. But let me get into this road that you had, right? Tell me about EmpowerMag.com. Tell me how that started. And then at the end, I have to ask you about your singing career. But I'm going to save that for the end. You know what I mean? I'm going to save that. I'm going to save that for the end. You know, I wanted to ask you earlier, like the timeline wise, but I want to save it for the end. Tell me about Empower Mag, man. Tell me how that idea came about to you. So it came about to me because I told you I really struggled in Canada. And I was studying entrepreneurship at Ryerson or like, they call it now Toronto Metropolitan. But at the time it was Ryerson and yeah, I was studying entrepreneurship innovation, bachelor of commerce. And I mean, I always loved entrepreneurship. I've always been an entrepreneur, always will be. I don't think so that that's going to change, but you know, they're asking you come up with an idea and like, 
entrepreneurship is a personality like you just go do shit like yeah you know, no no for real no it is like that it is like that people are like so what do you do i'm like i, I don't know. i do like 14 things yeah like i just make my shit work <laughs> yeah it's just like i don't know just you know throw some shit at the wall one of it's gonna stick this is how it works you know you're good at hustling you're good at you know you're good at like making having total control over your life so it's funny because assignment this capstone project came up i was in such a bad state of mind like i was completely like thinking i don't want to do it anymore i want to live anymore and that was like why don't i just put a google submission form on snapchat back to like my social circle and in, mm -hmm. in dubai and in egypt and boy that blew up in egypt and that only showed me that it was basically it was said break the silence share your story now and it was just so subtle and yeah i just got media like calling me like what's this forum that's going on about like it was i think like what 400 submissions overnight in like oh, wow in top like one percent community though like it was yeah. just very 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 and like what's going on and i was and that was like back in 2017 so like mental health really wasn't as as, as well thought of or like as well communicated as now in, in at least Dubai or like the Arab world back then mm. it was still heavily stigmatized. For sure. So, yeah, that's how it started. And then it was called Break the Silence back then. And then I realized I wanted to have like, I wanted to get away from the break and the silence. And I wanted to get yeah. out of darkness. Like, I think that was a little bit of where I was. And then I started to, let's let's have a positive connotation. Let's really put something. Let's I like that. Let's Nikeify mental health. And it was all about M power. It starts with your M. And if you own your M, you, you have power in your life. And power comes after your M. And M, if you kind of, you know, switch M up, it becomes me power. So you're actually empowering yourself. You're not empowering anybody else before you empower someone else. So it became such a symbolic kind of word for me. And yeah, I called it uh, empower. And it just now the logo now it became EMPWR and it just became such a you know Gen Z type of brand and it's a vibe and, and yeah it is a vibe and then I, I and then I I took I took the magazine into a podcast network and you know we did like which is crushing yeah podcast is absolutely crushing can you tell the audience so they can go and listen to it the name yeah. so my podcast is called Empathy Always Wins and Danny definitely I should bring you on 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 the show I'm Super bringing it back yeah we had a we had just a five months kind of pause i was just going through so much in those you got to do that sometimes you got to do that sometimes because when it comes to entertainment if you just try to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again the numbers don't match up you got to switch shit up you got it yeah. you got it yeah yeah and now i just realized that this is going to be my english show it's it's called empathy always wins and i just before gary v had empathy when before everything it was the 2020 I and, I, and i and i and i remember like how can I get to the C-suites? Yeah, mental health, they, they won't buy it. They'll buy empathetic leadership. Okay, empathy always wins. And that was just empathetic. Emotional intelligence would be a winning factor in leadership. And then I, and then Corona hit. And then, <laughs> fuck, I realized, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot. <laughs> everything kind of, uh, yeah. everything kind of, uh, yeah, surfaced. But it was definitely way before, like, 
I planned it 2019 December and and I flew to LA to I was just speaking to Sam earlier on about being in LA for a podcast movement in 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 the 2020 just a month before covid and yeah it was just that was when I unleashed the podcast and I I invested myself so I would go speak to other podcasts know what's going on cuz back in the day there was no information about podcasting so no. that's a little bit about why I took a pause as well. No, no, for sure. And it's like, now, you know, now our dogs have podcasts <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that situation. So, you know, as somebody your age, that's as accomplished as you are, like we said before, I hope you take the time to, you know, stop and smell the, the metaphorical roses from time to time, because I think it's important for your mental health and also for the future of your branch and your business to take time reevaluate. I'm happy you took the five months to kind of do your own thing and, and figure everything out. Takes a lot of balls to pause and takes a lot of moxie to be like, you know what? I'm going to shut it down for a little bit. We're going to retool it, rebrand it. I love that. Someone your age, right? Forbes 30 under 30, 26. A lot of people look up to you. Who do you look up to? Ah, That's a good question. I look up to who? I look up to my granddad. My granddad who had cancer. He was I mean, he was so fierce, but he had a very big heart. I mean, mm. I still read his love letters to my grandma, like that type of, you know. Wow. Yeah, it's that that like that, an old that, school tough guy, but he but he loved just as tough as he was. Yeah, yeah, and that to me is like so so masculine, like gangster. That's, that's just yeah. gangster to me. Like that's yeah. just that's the masculinity, the vulnerability that that I really admire. Who do I look up to as well? I don't know. I, I mean, it's a hard question. But when I come when I come on your show, I, I, I want a couple of answers because a lot of people always say that because we kind of get lost, like, you know, like we're helping lead people to the water and stuff and like trying to help, you know, everybody get where they get and people come to us and they praise us. And, I, you know, I thank God for that. But it's like it's one of those things like, you know, I need to see somebody like. You know, I would say right now, like I read your profile a couple of days ago. I was like, this kid's an inspiration to me. Like, I don't see age. Like, I don't see like, like anything. I don't have ageism when it comes to inspiration. I think a lot of people deal with that. No, you can't have that discrimination when it comes to inspiration. That's the only thing that you can't have. It doesn't matter. I meet people of all walks of life, all different socioeconomic backgrounds, big wallets, small wallets, no wallets. And I get inspired by these people. Yeah, I think I think I'll tell you I'll tell you who I really look up to, and you probably know him, but he's Mo Muhammad Mo Salah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean he's really good friends with one of my close friends, and so I know a little bit about you know the ins and outs of 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 his story, and I think you know when you look at someone as successful as him, and you look at how they always tell you'd never forget where you come from, right? For a certain yes. reason. Because the moment you do is the moment you lose everything. Because what keeps you sane is your origin, right? And that's why everyone's obsessed with every single successful person's story. Yes. Because that's what makes them original, not the success. The success is just a manifestation or like a byproduct, but of their story. And we're obsessed with learning from other people. And what really fascinates me with Muhammad is that till today, he takes care of him entire city and that city has changed because of and like young kids have his haircuts and it's not just it's not like oh he's has a museum and people no 
he doesn't need a museum. The air is his museum because he's does it in a, such a genuine way. And and I think that he's changed the face of what it means to be because I come from Egypt. For sure. Egyptian, Egyptian in, in, in the world. And, you know, studies have shown, you know, Islamophobia is down and so many th- other things are down. Right. You know I mean, so it's just to me like that's an impact when I look at it from an impact standpoint. And I think that's just only to get the start because I think he's a very big advocate for mental health. He doesn't say mental health, but knowing knowing that he has also a professional that he talks to, knowing all those things that make me understand his ability to understand the importance of this message gets me to also look beyond the surface and know that this person is a is is a really genuine person. So yeah, that's a good that's a good one because he's an absolute savage. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's a beast. What's your five year plan? Where do you see yourself in five years? Because I know you said before, I don't like to do that. I like to kind of just roll out of bed and and you know I don't even know what sandwich I'm gonna eat or, or what I'm gonna eat for breakfast. <laughs> but I know I know in the back of your mind you have goals. I know in yeah. the back of your mind you have milestones. I know yeah. in the back of your mind you have certain pillars that you want to get to. What are you striving for in the short term of your life? Absolutely. So because I you think, haven't been alive that long. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're I gonna think be older. Year. You're gonna be older way longer than you're gonna be younger, my man. <laughs> yeah. I think the next five years, Empower will have a hundred million users on its infrastructure, and we will be pretty much the Airbnb of well-being, where I define well-being as an experience, as a community. It's not mm. a session. It's not a better help. It's not a one-to-one. No, it's literally the, it's a culture. And that's what I truly am buying into. I'm buying into a culture very similar to what Spotify has done with music, Nike has done with sneakers and now sports. You know, I think people really lack a message in mental health. I think Selena Gomez is trying to do it with Wonder Woman or Wonder Mind, sorry, kind of might work. But I think what I really, 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 really look forward to with Empower is to build a community around breaking the stigma in the dopest way possible using a culture forward approach. And that is going to be driven by technology, of course, with for sure. Argon that you want to have for sure, you know, for finance people. But for me, this is what I truly see. And I definitely don't see it being regional too. I see it being, you know, international as well. I so love it. That's pretty cool. Because listen, the, the culture always changes. Yeah. So, you know, if if you have an infrastructure that is that is moldable, 100 percent, those are usually things that prosper. Right. And any, in any kind of business, uh, the, the ones that have a changeable infrastructure that doesn't make you take down, you know, everything forever and then have to build it back up. What is the stigma like in the younger generation of Egyptian kids? Is it where you want it to be? Is it close to where you want it to be or not even close where you want it to be in terms of how they address mental health in the younger generation in Egypt? Oh, no, it's very far from where I want it to be. I think people still like are largely scared or ashamed or shy away from 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 talking about it. You know, there is a certain community that does talk about it, but that's that's scrapping the surface. That's not even a sizable community to address, you know? Mm. And then I want you to know that as somebody who's part of the younger generation, right? 
you know, I'm not too much older than you, but eight years is like, you know, it's, that's like, like a hundred years now, like with technology and all that stuff, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit older and you start to look back and, you know, I think what you're doing for kids is huge. Now I understand that adults, you know, we deal with a lot more responsibilities and whatever, but we sign up for that. The moment, well, somebody else signs us up for it. That's our parents. And then we get older and then we kind of have to deal with everything we have to deal with. But I hope that what you do with Empower is that you, that, you know, you focus on the kids because the kids are, are the ones that are obviously going to be our future as cliche and as tacky as that sounds is the truth. They're the future, you know, husbands to our daughters, wives to our sons, grandmothers, future grandfathers. And, uh, you know, if they're able to take anything from us, we want it to be the best possible stuff, right? That's why we get a second chance. We get to see kind of what our parents did wrong and try to adjust it to our life, right? And it really is about the kids, man. It really is. All this is about the kids. And it's all about, you know, getting people, even who are older, parents, to uh, help their kids and for them to erase the stigma as well in the household, ask their children, how are you feeling today? What they're really going through, have those conversations with those kids or the kids that have the bravery to ask the questions to their parents. But yeah, I'm super excited for everything that you're doing, man. Like I said, you're an inspiration to me. I really thank you for coming on. I'm not going to make you sing, but I was just going to ask, do you still, do you still sing? Do you still sing a a good amount? All right. You know, I sing too. Really? I've been singing for a long time. That's amazing. Send me your stuff after the show. I will. I will. Because if I say if I sing it on here, it'll get flagged. But uh, <laughs> but 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 uh, for sure, you you might have heard a couple of tunes by me. But yeah, the last question I ask everybody that I have on the show, it's kind of our universal question: is Are you happy today? Today, yeah, I'm. I'm very content. I'm much more, much more than yesterday for sure. For sure. You know, I always say. Small questions can lead to big answers, right? If you just check in with yourself, I hope everybody out there listening checks in with themselves today. But also, Ali, where can they check you out? Yeah, they can check me out on LinkedIn or Instagram. I feel like Instagram, it's A-L-L-Y-S-A-L-A-M-A. So at Ali Salama. So instead of Salami, it's Salama. (laughs) You probably had to deal with that your whole damn life. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. And Ali, why is it A-L-L-Y? I don't know. My mom, I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Do you you have a full name or is that your full name? That's my full name. Wow. Never seen it spelled that way. Yeah, I mean it's it's Ali, my first name, and Salama is the last name. Well, but, do yeah. you have a, do you have a middle name? Yeah, I do. My middle name is my father's name, so it's Ali Muhammad Salama. Got it. You're you're chilling. Yeah, that's a pa- power name, my man. <laughs> that's, a, that's 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 a powerful name to live up to, and I think you're doing a great job. Thank you, bro. I really yeah, do. please make sure to check Ali out everywhere. Everybody go and check this kid out. This kid's going to be doing big, big things. He already is. Like I said, appreciate it. he's a savage, a beast. The kid's an animal. But yeah, guys, make sure to check the show out at 101OTC on Instagram. We're everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Google. Check us out. Subscribe. Hit the like button. And like I said, um, check in with yourself today. Have a great day. We love you guys. And Ali, thank you so much for taking the time. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate you, Danny. Thank you so much. 
thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!